Hi there and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and uh, I'll be joined uh, by Jonathan for Dugbert a little bit later. But we're going to start off this episode with another great uh, interview as we welcome to the show uh, the Mjöndal manager Vega Hansen. So uh, yeah, in the second uh, part of the show we're going to talk about the general relegation battle. Molde are now the champions of Norway. And so we're going to get a little bit of a reaction um, from that later. But uh, let's kick things off with this uh, interview. And on this edition of the Nordic Football Podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, somewhat of a legend in uh, in Norwegian football, uh, the Mjøndal manager Vegar Hansen. Thanks very much for joining us on the show, Vegar. I hope you're well today. I'm good, thank you. I- I'm, I'm not really a legend, but thank you for, for your kind words. Well, I mean, some people might disagree with that, but um, certainly a man who's been in charge of uh, a club for uh, 13, 14 years, I think is a legend in my eyes. But um, So, uh, Vega Hansen is at Mjöndalen, who were in the Elite Serien, and at the moment, fighting uh, bravely against re- relegation. Um, have you enjoyed the season so far, Vegard? I know, you know, it's been challenging, but uh, being back in the top flight, um, I'm sure you've enjoyed it as well. Uh, at least part of it. Uh, we were up in in 15 as well and got relegated uh, for a poor season. Only got 21 points. So this season we have been doing better, um, but still uh, we're down there, second from bottom, and it's challenging, you know, as a as a coach and trainer and working so hard with the club for so many years. It's uh, it's tiring to to struggle uh, at the bottom of the league. So. We had some good games. We only had four four victories, um, but we haven't lost too many games. We have a lot of draws, so we're fighting all we can to stay up. And if we stay up, it's been great. If we go down, uh, the season will be terrible, you know. So it's all about staying up in the league and be able to to play in the Premiership or Elite Seven, as it's called, for next season as well. Okay, so for those uh, listeners who, who aren't aware, uh, a brief history of uh, Vega Hansen. You um, played uh, in Norwegian football many, many games, uh, a lot of them actually for um, arch rival down there, Strums Goodser. Uh, we'll talk about that rivalry a little bit later. But um, you you started managing Mjöndal in 2006, I do believe. I think you were player manager then. Um, and that was in the fourth tier of Norwegian football. You had two promotions in three seasons and then the majority of your coaching career has been in the what is now the Obos Ligaen. You gradually improved your your ranking and then that famous promotion in uh, 2014 when you beat uh, the mighty Bran over a two-legged playoff match. You you couldn't stay up that year but you've been building again back up to the Elite Serien. I just wondered Vega, what did you learn from that campaign yeah, we learned a lot uh, in many aspects. You know, uh, signing players, we didn't we didn't have a clue uh, what kind of players to sign for the for the top league. Um, we never paid an agent one krona um, in fee, so that meant they never offered us uh, any good players. So we we didn't manage to strengthen the team. We got uh, three players in. They were all mostly substitutes. So. We stuck with the team that got us up um, with a surprise uh, win against Brann, as I told uh, already. Uh, 
So we, we the team was more or less the same. We were quite naive, playing four four two with high pressure, um, like kick and run uh, more or less, uh, long throw-ins, uh, free kicks, corners. You know, working hard for every point. And we started well. Uh, got well, I think we got thirteen points or something from the first eight games. But then we didn't win a game for many many weeks. And the team was just not good enough. So, uh, in that aspect, we learned how to get better players, and um, we have started to play to pay agents uh, a little bit to to get better players, and that was one of the things. And and we had we gambled on two important spots. Uh, we gambled on the goalkeeper spot. Uh, we were terrible. The goalkeeper lost his head early in the season, uh, conceding two goals from. From corner and uh, and free kick from uh, from the corner as well. So after that, uh, Ivar Fuun, um, well, he he lost his confidence and and was very shaky for the rest of the season. And that was a major problem for us, conceding a lot of goals. And the second goalkeeper was not good enough either. So so in the two most important maybe uh, spots in the team, uh, goalkeeper and striker, uh, we were poor. We didn't. Uh, we trusted on the striker as well, and he didn't manage to score at the highest level. So that, that team was not, just not good enough. Mm. Um, that was the main thing. And this season, we, the team was better. We, we as a club was more prepared to to play at the top level, um, and we, I think we've shown that. Even though we we second from the bottom, we, the team is stronger. We we stronger compared to the rest of the clubs. You've coached obviously quite a lot of seasons in the Obosli again. How how big is the difference between the Elite Serian and the Obosli again? Is there a big golfing class? Would you say? Well, I think the difference maybe not that big anymore. It was uh, the difference was was bigger uh, a few years ago. I think um, if you see the cup results now. Um, I think that the top teams of the Ubus Liga and the bottom clubs uh, in the Elite Serie are, are quite similar. You know, the, the top teams of uh, Ubus now with Olsen uh, uh, getting promoted and, and Sandefjord, they're very strong teams and, and Star as well uh, are good. So the Elite Serie and Ubus Liga, uh, are, all the clubs there are working very hard. Uh, so I think the difference is not as big as mm. earlier. And you see, Arnhem last year was doing very well. Christian Sun and all the small clubs are doing well uh, in the Elite Serie, uh, and we hope to do well as well this season. Mm. But we we're not we're not there just yet. Yes, um, I mean, I, obviously, Mjöndalen. It's uh, you're not the biggest club in terms of resources. Um, if you could survive this year. How how massive would that be for finances and potentially to build for the future? Well, it's it's very important. I have to say, you know, the pressure is on us now uh, more than in in fifteen because that season no one believed us to stay up, um, and it was well no sh- not sh- a shock for for anyone to go down again. But this season, no, and last season as well, in the end, they. Uh, early in the 1980s, uh, this was a, a major club in, in Norway because the money wasn't that important. Uh, so Mjernan has a, a culture and history for, for doing well. But then when the money came into Norwegian football, start of 1990 and, and later, uh, then we, um, well, the club got relegated and was, as, as you said, at the, at the fourth tier. But now, um, 
we built uh, and when you grow stronger the expectations uh, are getting stronger as well and and people expected more from us uh, in Norway and in Mendel as well so so going up last season was was yeah. uh, expected and wanted a lot and and for us staying up now is also expected so for us going down now is will be very dan- uh, damaging for us as a club and, and for everyone and, and yeah. the, the disappointment will be be very big and um, the budget now is is almost 40 million when we were up last season uh, last time it was only I think uh, maybe half of this so it's a big difference the club is, is bigger stadium is, is growing we're building so to stay up now is, is very very important for us yes yeah, so let's just talk about uh, tactics actually now and um, the last time you were in the elitist area um, you often used a four-four-two formation or certainly two guys up front it seems that like in the last year or two you, you've switched to more sort of uh, Four three three, quite a lot. Four one four one. There's not, you know, you're not exactly the same every week like Ranheim are or someone. But um, you, you seem to have switched from that two men up front. Is there a particular reason for that? Yeah, um, you're right. We played the four four two for many years, and um, we have a player called Christian Gausset, who's a very good player, but he's slow. He's a central midfielder, and in four four two we were. Uh, Outrun, you know, uh, he, he's mm. too slow, and we, we didn't manage to to uh, close the gaps uh, in front of the centre halves. So uh, actually, uh, well, the, the season before we got um, promoted uh, last year uh, in the summer, we we were two 0 down against starting Christian Sun, and we were changing from four four two to four five one, uh, and from that on until now we have. Uh, well, we stopped more or less conceding goals. Uh, unfortunately, we stopped scoring goals as well, but we stopped losing, and that was strong enough to get us up last year. Um, so we've done the same thing this season. We wanted to to have a little higher pressure. We worked on that in the in the winter, but the centre halves, our centre halves, didn't manage to to cope with the with the um, spaces to to cover. So so we were finding it hard to to keep a clean sheet, and we're conceding too many goals and. Um, we had to do something and before Bodegrim game we knew their strengths they're very strong attacking uh, many good players attacking with a lot of players coming into spaces uh, between the centre halves and, and midfield and we, we needed to, to close them down so what we did was to to mark uh, Berg the, the deep midfielder we were marking uh, one of the centre halves we were expecting Lode to play if Lode was playing then we would mark him and let the other guy have the ball now he was uh, injured, so we did more or less the same. But we we uh, marked the deep midfielder. We let one of the centre halves uh, travelling with the ball when he passed the halfway line. We were putting pressure from the side from the top striker, and Gavset as a as a second striker was taking care of Berg as a deep midfielder. And then we're marking out the running midfielder on the the side of the ball, and we're in control of the midfielder as well. And we're marking one against one um, the wingers with our fullback. When they fullback were coming, and they both did, they came all the time. Then our uh, wide midfielder has had to to mark him as well. So we got away a little bit from the from the zone principle, and, and we're marking a lot more. Um, and we succeeded quite well. We were lucky at the start of the game, but after at a while, we I think we were in better control and we, we could have snatched the win as well at the end actually so 
that was what we wanted to do that game and we thought it was quite good um, I involved the players a lot and they liked the way the little change yeah. um, and uh, we wanted to do the same thing against Sarsborg we did the same thing uh, uh, against Old Now um, but we had to develop the, the offensive part of the game and, and I think we did against Old Now we played better we, we created a lot more chances we could have won the game we were two on up 12 minutes from the end so so we built on that and we we all like the change and we we seems to be stronger offensively and we can defend quite well so this is how we, we yeah. will play the last games i think yeah so let's just talk some statistics here and uh possession you have the you average the lowest ball possession in the elite Serie with 43.3 percent However, you um, are in the expected goal list. You're as high as 11th, which is very respectable. And it seems to me that really what you're looking to do with the ball is quality over quantity. For example, you ha- you actually have the best crossing accuracy in the whole of the Elite Serian out of any club. 40.2% crossing accuracy, which is very good. Um, in terms of the ball possession, are you quite happy to let certain or certainly some of the bigger teams... Have have the ball against you, and um, you look to counter attack. Well, we would actually like to have the ball more, uh, but we we just have to accept that uh, Grimt away, uh, we will not be able to have the ball a lot uh, all the way as well. Even though I don't think Odd is just as strong as Grimt, but still, um, those kind of teams they do not accept us to have the ball uh, at least uh, when they play at home. So we just have to to defend deep, and we we have to to know how the game is going to be, and um, and we knew uh, I know the Michigan football very well, and I know what the game will look like, and if we put high pressure on a team like Bulgrint, we will be killed. So that was not an option for us, and we accept to stay deep. But we we do not have the counter attack strength as I would like to have. You know, we had Amal Pellegrini before; we could have needed him now um, for counter attack. We we do lack a little bit of pace offensively, but we have worked on it, and we were better last game, I think. And uh, uh, the way we play now, we, Christian Gavs is a good player. Um, he can he can handle the ball better than most of the players in Norway, and we use him in that gap between the striker and the midfield. And we find we, we tried to find him. And we did that a lot against uh, Odd, and we have a right-footed left uh, midfielder and a left-footed right midfielder. They come in as well. And we have very uh, quick and um, and um, players who like to run uh, on the fullbacks and Vettler and Sell. They will come when the wide midfielders come in, and uh, that's what we want to do: to find them into space behind the opponent, and and they are mostly the players who put the crosses in. Okay. Yes. It's um, let's talk about some of your players now, and uh, you actually have the fourth oldest squad in the Elite area, an average age of twenty-seven point six. For those who are interested, it's uh, yet again it's Bran who have the oldest average squad, nearly averaging 30 years old now. Actually, Bran seems to go up year by year. But um, yes, you've got players like Olivier Ushian, uh, Christian Gosset, um, Stian Asmunsen, Frederick Brustin. I mean, these are guys that are, are experienced. You know, at, certainly at elite Serian level, you must have quite a very strong dressing room there, a very professional dressing room. Who um, you've got a lot of guys who set a strong example, I guess. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, the captain Christian Gauss, um, 
he's been a, for many years he's a character in Norwegian football and is controversial in his way he wants to be that way and he's not like a, a Mjøndern guy uh, through and through but he's, he he knows the culture and he's a, he's a good leader for the for the players um, he's the the boss of the players uh, and he's my right hand as well he's a good friend of mine and, and we work well together and that's the secret uh, and it is, has always been in Myandam we, we have a very strong dressing room strong relationship between the the coaches and and uh, uh, Kenneth um, as a leader as well and and the players it's a family club and, and that's very important for us so even though uh, some of the players are, are quite old and been ex- uh, experienced the players being many big clubs better than Mjøndalen they all know the culture and they accept how we work and I never had any problems with any of the all the players they're very good guys and they work well and that's why we sign them if they do not work well if they are selfish or do not think of the team above themselves then they will not be here for uh, for a long time so I'm very happy with the players the way they are uh, but some of them we had better players 10 years ago, you know, um, like Olivier Ocean. He's been good for us this season as well, but, you know, he's been with a lot better clubs. And, and he's 37, I think, and, you know, he will not have many years left, but uh, he's still OK. Yes. Um, now, you mentioned in uh, in 2015 you had uh, goalkeeper problems, and uh, heading into this year you also had problems in between the sticks because of an injury uh, crisis. And you ended up signing uh, Julian Fialun on loan from uh, Rosenborg. Now, I have to say, this is a goalkeeper that's really impressed me this year. Um, a fine young talent. How far do you think he can go in, in the game? Because he's certainly impressed this year for you, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, actually, I was uh, I was a little bit you know, nervous about him because we played against him. Uh, when he was with Levanger for two seasons, and he, he could see a lot of goals, and he was he was talented, but uh, not ready for even maybe maybe Ubo. So I, I spent a lot of time uh, making my mind up, um, but then we we gambled and we we uh, we tried him and another young goalkeeper from Molde, uh, both young. Uh, exciting goalkeepers but Julian you know is uh, under 21 national player for Norway and with Rosenberg we, we were quite um, well we, we trusted Rosenberg when they signed him for long terms and uh, we thought he would be good enough for us so he came here as a young player not been in, not uh, been playing um, elite at all uh, more or less so so he was not uh, at his best when he came but I think he has developed a lot uh, during the season and in the last months he's been outstanding he has a strong head strong character uh, good reflexes good on the ball with his feet um, and very willing to train so so no doubt he's going to be uh, a very good goalkeeper um, he's, he's already but he's going to be better and probably a national goalkeeper for Norway within three, a few years yeah only 20 years old as well which uh... I mean, for a goalkeeper, that's uh, that's very young, isn't it? For someone to show uh, what he's done so far, I think it's certainly uh, very impressive. Um, let's actually talk about uh, rivalries now, uh, Vegar. And um, a few uh, weeks ago, we had uh, a Sarpsborg player, I mean, Askar, come on the show, and he was talking about the rivalry between Sarpsborg and Frederick Stat. 
he called it bigger than Lillestrøm Volarenga. And um, you, uh, uh, in an interview earlier in the year, in the press, uh, called the Alv Classico between Strumsgudse and Mjerndal and potentially bigger than that clash as well. Um, this is uh, a very regional derby, isn't it? I think only 10 minutes between the two cities or towns. And, uh, I mean, you're a man, you were born in Draman, I do believe. You know what it means to the fans, to the people. Just how big is this rivalry and uh, how pleased are you that you got four points off Strum's Goodser this year? Well, the, the rivalry is massive, I have to say. You know, um, uh, you're partly right. Mjöndal is a town. Uh, Strum's Goodser from Drammen is, uh, is a city. Uh, I think it's the sixth biggest city in, in Norway. So, um, And you understand uh, already now that it's very important for us as a small club. Um, and... Uh, actually, I, I started playing for Strömskos in 1989, and the reason I went there instead of Mjöndal is that it was easier to get on the team uh, with Strömskos because they were uh, down at that period and Mjöndal were up. So so it has been changing. But when the money came in, Norwegian football, Mjöndal were going down, Strömskos uh, stayed up, um, and they were looking down at us in Mjöndal for many, many years, and it has been, as a big club with a good history and culture, uh, it's been... Well, uh, annoying for us in Mjöndal to to be so much worse than, than Strömskose and they have been using every single um, chance to, to put us down uh, that's why we were delighted in 15 to get a draw in Drummond uh, uh, we lost at home but we drew away and it was a very proud moment and even more proud when we beat them 3-2 uh, at the start of this season it was fantastic you know the whole town of Mjöndalen uh, went to Drammen to, to see the game and it was probably one of the biggest victories of, of this town and this club and it was, well, people were crying um, and finally we were able to, to beat Strömskutte at their own ground at the same level. It was fantastic and I, I will not talk for myself but I think and I believe uh, many people in Mjöndalen like us to stay up and, and to get above Strömskos and maybe be able to, to be a division above them. It's going to be close and it's uh, very tense in this area at the moment, I have to tell you. Yeah, let's just talk quickly about this relegation battle now because it is close at the bottom of the table. Do you think in the last few rounds of the season, um, both the top and bottom of the table actually, is it more about desire, hunger, motivation, a bottle? who wants it more rather than tactics and things like that? I'm not sure actually. I think uh, it's a lot about tactics as well. Uh, motivation is no problem at this stage of the season. Uh, I think it's more about trying to get the players uh, well, uh, to be accepting the situation and being not being afraid. I think against Strömskos and, and Sarsberg at home, we, uh, we drew. Uh, and we were kind of happy with that. We thought it was okay. Uh, seeing, looking back at those games, I think we should gamble a little bit more to try to get a win or two. Um, so, but we looked a little bit frightened against us, but we didn't uh, dare to attack as good as we we should have. Now we know that we have to win, and it's about mentality more than than motivation, at least. Um, so, I had we as coaches had to try to get the players. Um, understand and accept and looking forward to the game and, and try to find a way to to uh, influence on the game to try to 
I want them to ask for the ball. I want them to to show themselves um, and not being hiding uh, and being afraid. Because if we are afraid, I don't think we win the game. And just finally now, uh, Vegar Hansen, the future. I mean, you mentioned there you've been at the club 14 years. Um, there was a famous manager in France called Guy Roux. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He was at a club called Auxerre and he was manager for 44 years. Yeah, um, no. Sir Alex Ferguson, I think 27 years at Man United. I mean, what do you think the future holds for you? Are you going to be Mjöndal in all your life? Or do you perhaps see some challenges down the line? Maybe even to manage in a different country? Um, I've been asked this question for many years and many times. and uh, uh, Well, I actually live at the stadium now. I bought an apartment to buy one of the goals. <laughs> I've been there for 14 years and uh, me and Kenneth, we have been building this club and when I look out of my office now, I look on the other side of the pitch and uh, new apartments are, are building. Uh, the stadium is, is growing for every year. The club is growing. I'm very happy to be here. It's a very friendly club. I'm able to do whatever I want to do. Uh, and I now decide to go somewhere else. Uh, if As long as the club wants me, I will stay. Uh, as long as the players would like me to stay, I'll stay. Uh, if the club doesn't want me anymore, if the players want to change, then uh, I will have to leave, and I leave without hesitation. Uh, but as long as they want me, I will stay, and I will do my best to to get this club as good as possible. And I think it's possible to be mid-table of the Elite Serie, and that's my goal. Uh, it's a massive blow, actually. Uh, Kenneth Carlson is is quitting the club. He joined me the second year I was here, and he's a fantastic manager of the club. Uh, working with me for so many years and it was a massive blow that he's leaving but then I decided to stay here and, and try to to continue our work um, alone for now um, bringing another manager in uh, is my uh, big goal now mm. so I work day and night to, to do as good as I can and, and um, I'm very hopeful that we stay up if we do I'm very happy if we go down, then I work even harder to get it back up into the little area with the, the squad we have so and the, the, the staff we have as well. Yeah. So no, I don't look for, for options. Uh, options might come someday, but uh, I'm very happy to stay here. Yes, I must say, your uh, your stadium is actually looking uh, a lot, lot better these days. It's developing nicely, isn't it? it if you could just get a few years of stability... In the elitist area, and, um, you know, I could definitely see quite a lot of prog- progression there. But, Vega uh, Hansen, we've taken enough of your time. Thanks very much for joining us on the Nordic Football Podcast. Delighted um, that you're on the show, and, and, and very best of luck. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Welcome back. And yes, um, that was a really interesting interview there, Steve. One thing I found, um, you know, we also posted a, a clip from from uh, on our Twitter page, didn't we, at Nordic Footpod. And he had a lot of interesting things to say that, you know, some of it wasn't mentioned, which we've posted on our, on our Twitter account. What were your thoughts on the uh, the general experience of talking to to um, Nondala manager there? Yeah, I think he's a very calm figure in, in a very heated, pressurised situation. And uh, yeah, that is a club that is well and truly up for the fight and, and desperate to, to survive. But um, what's interesting is that um, how how much tactical thought that he puts into things. A lot of uh, presumption is when you're down the bottom there, these teams just sort of lump it long or don't really have that much of a clear direction. But um, there's a lot of uh, tactical intelligence there, I would say, and that that really impressed me. 
yeah, really good interview. And don't forget, of course, if you haven't heard the um, really brilliant um, analysis from Steve regarding Neon Dallin and um, the breakdown of Neon Dallin against Buddha Glimt earlier in the season, you can still catch that on the podcast, uh, season three, episode 17. We had a long discussion and Steve did a fantastic breakdown of that. So um, that's kind of where it all began. And it's also on our YouTube channel, Nordic Football Podcast. So have a look at that and give it, maybe give it a little subscribe as well. And Steve, there was a massive game from Yondan actually this weekend, wasn't there? Uh, and it, it's, um, well, six points are all six pointers, to be honest, wasn't it, really? As they played Ranheim uh, at home. Tell us a little bit about that game, because it ended 3-1 to, uh, to Mjondal, and they got the win. So so um, all things are looking rosy right now for Mjondal, would you say? I wouldn't say all things are looking rosy, but, um, yeah, I mean, Vergar Hansen said in that um, clip we gave on Twitter that, uh, you know, it pretty much was all or nothing, and I suggested to him that whoever loses the game will probably go down. So... Yeah, I think that may well actually seal Ranheim's fate. But um, in my experience, these sort of games at the bottom of the table towards the end of the season, where both teams are desperate, they, um, they're they either absolutely drab nil-nils where everyone's too scared to lose or they're just wild encounters, even in involving teams that don't score a lot of goals. And uh, that's what happened here. I mean, uh, Ranheim actually got off to a great start. They uh, took the lead. I'll be honest, for quite a large amount of this game, Ranheim were possibly the better side, actually. Uh, Mjendon got an equaliser straight away from the penalty spot. It was one all at half-time. And I think the start of the second half, it could have gone either way. It was just one of those where who's going to get the next goal? It was a crucial goal, really. And um, it was Mjendon who got it from their captain, uh, Christian Garset, um, to make it 2-1. And then they got a header later on which didn't actually surprise me. Ranheim had been conceding far too many goals from set pieces in the air recently. So I'm sure that was part of um, the tactical game plan of me and Dalen as well. But yeah, real ding-dong game, chances at both ends. Uh, you know, Ranheim will come out of that thinking, oh, we were unlucky on another day, we might have won it. But that's football, isn't it? Someone had to win it, I think. And it was me and Dalen's time. You just feel that they can really kick on from that. And um you know, it was a fantastic result for them. First win in eight or nine games, I think. Um, and it might might be enough, ultimately, to keep them up. They're still going to need some more points, I think. And from Runheim's point of view, relegation looms. Yeah, it's looking looking bleak for uh, Runheim. If you, if you look at the table, you can see that they are well, rock bottom. 24 points from 28 games. Minus 19 goal difference. And don't forget, there's only two games left in the season now. And they're four points from safety, uh, Salzburg in 13th. With a minus 10 goal difference, 28 points. So with two games remaining, it is really looking looking bleak for, for Ranheim. Then we have Stroms Godset and then Mjordan in the relegation playoff. So they've every chance of getting out of it, maybe. You know, there's still three or four teams in that in that bottom uh you know, within touching distance, really, Lillestrom from 11th down. There's only three points separating 11th uh, from 15th, so which is automatic relegation. So there's there's all to play for. Lillestrom, Tromsø, Salzburg, Mjondalen, Stroms Godset and Ranheim. Steve, we had an interesting discussion on our Twitter page where at G. Rude's top said that uh, regardless, of, regardless of allegiances, there was a bit of a debate whether... Strums Godset or Ranheim would be would be more missed in the Elite Serien. 
And uh, G. Rude's top there has said that regardless of the allegiances, the league is be obviously better off with Goodset. He says, Ranham are a proud side, but there's something really wrong with Norwegian football if they are in the Elitisarian. Uh, how do you respond to that, Steve? Uh, um, give any defence of Ranheim there, or are you also in agreement with at Giroud's top that Godset of a team that maybe um, maybe everyone the neutral should want to survive? Yeah, I think we had our good friend of the podcast Neil Baxter was uh, mentioning how he was hoping that Sturrum's Godset would survive and that the league would be better with them in there. Look, this is an interesting question. I've been thinking long and hard about it. Actually, it depends what you actually want to get out of football as a fan, as a, a neutral fan, do you want to see the big clubs, the biggest clubs, uh, you know, the best 16 clubs in, in Norway, in, in the league, or, you know, you look at teams like Ranheim, Mjerndalen, smaller ones that have done well in recent times. Uh, they're an example, aren't they? Uh, that just to prove that you can do it, you know, see, look at the teams trying to come up from the Obos again. I'm sure they're a great influence in terms of mo motivation. What Ranheim achieved last season, I think fifth or fifth place finish with the resources they've got, it's got to serve as a great inspiration, hasn't it? And I think there's a place for that in football, in, in all leagues across the world, actually. Um, everyone likes an underdog, don't they? Um, I guess they don't perhaps like a shit team that lingers too long. I remember back in the 90s, over here, Southampton with that side, weren't they? They just seem to survive every year, like 17th, whatever. And, you know, Sunderland did it for a while in, in recent time as well, didn't they? I think there's a, a period where a side can kind of extend its welcome for too long in the division. So it depends which side of the coin you look from, really. If you want the big clubs to survive, then, yeah, you you got to cheer for, like, Strum's good sir, Lillestrum, Sashborg. And, you know, if you want the minnows to go down, then, yeah, you'd be looking at, at thinking, you know, Ranheim, Mjern, Dahlen, send them packing, uh, perhaps Tromsø as well. But um, I, I honestly, I'm often biased in certain things, but in this instance, I'm very, very neutral down at the bottom of the table. On the Nordic Football Podcast, we've interviewed someone, uh, in fact, mostly managers from, I think, four of the bottom five now. Um, down there and you know I think they all add a lot of quality to things uh, John in, in many different ways so the way I see it is at the end of the season the league table doesn't lie and who who ends up getting relegated probably deserves to to go down and I'll leave it at that I think. Yeah and just to point out there for those who may not know I mean uh, if we look at the average attendance from last season just as a reference point um, Strums Goodson had the fifth highest average attendance in Elite Serien in Norway, with 5,939 average attendance, total of 89,091 fans at games. Ranheim, rock bottom of the league, in fact, lowly 2,018 average attendance and a total of 30,274 at their 15 uh, home games. So when you look at that, that's obviously a, a deficit of 59,000 fans if, uh, if Ranheim were to survive, I suppose, in terms of the league's potential attendances. I haven't got the figures for this season, but I imagine they'd be fairly similar. So, Ranheim clearly the smaller club, but at the same time, like like you say, there's you know sometimes there's a place for a smaller team in in uh, in football. It's not all about the big boys, is it? And you have to, at the end of the day, uh, it's all on merit, isn't it? Really, Stephen. After 30 games, if you're bottom of the league or you're in the bottom two, you're going down. Doesn't matter if you if you've got 300,000 fans in your attendance or or 12 and a dog. So. Um, yeah, that's an interesting discussion there. And anyone who has any 
thoughts on that, don't forget you can tweet us at Nordic Footpod uh, or follow us and you know give us a little comment there or at G Reads Top as well. Maybe he wants to contribute to the to the debate there. Just looking ahead, um, we've got uh, two more games left this season, as we've mentioned there. And this coming uh, weekend, we've got, uh, well, the last two games, as you said before, are all at the same time, aren't they? They play the kickoffs are all at the same time. And we've got uh, down there at the bottom, we've got Starbeck against Mjondal and Strum's Godset at home to Bran. And then we've got uh, Ranheim Lillestrum. So those are really quite big games, aren't they, at the bottom of the table there? You know that particular game between uh, Ranheim and Lillestrøm. That that one could be, you know, could give Ranheim a touching, you know, put them within touching distance of Lillestrøm were they to win it. What are your thoughts on the the, the final two games of the season, Steve? Maybe do you have a prediction for those three games: Ranheim, Lillestrøm, uh, Starbeck, Mjondalen, and Strom's Godset Brand? Well, it's an interesting time, isn't it, for an international break with just two matches to go. Um, uh, I have to say, Sashborg and Lillestrøm. And well, to a degree, Sturm's Goodser, although I might let Sturm's Goodser off a little bit because they were against Mulder. More on that later. But uh, they were appalling at the weekend. I mean, two of those sides have lost 4 0 against, um, I mean, Sashborg, we're playing Christiansen, who mid table, nothing to play for, lost 4 0. I mean, that's, that's just completely unacceptable. I've defended Sashborg quite a bit this year, but I can't defend that performance. And Lillestrom, you know, Starbuck are playing well, but they've lost home. 3-1 against one of their big local rivals when, the, when they're still fighting for points. That is just not good enough. Thrumsa drew 0-0 with Volarenga, but I tell you what, they were absolutely terrible in that game. They hardly had a shot in anger. And, you know, Volarenga had not been very good recently. They had players missing and it was the visitors. I mean, this match was played in minus 10 temperatures. It was really cold. Trumpster, I just thought, you know, they're going to get the job done here, get themselves a win, but they were poor. So it was a really, it was a great weekend for Mjöndal and they were the only side that really benefited. And you know what? A lot of sides down there have got to pull their socks up, John, because the repeat of those sort of performances and, you know, they deserve to go down. And I would love to see Ranheim beating uh, Lillestrøm just to keep it close. Sides like Lillestrøm are very negative recently and I want to see something from them in that game. I want to see them take the ball by the horns instead of trying to just eke out a draw. You know, Sashborg have got one home match left and I think they need they need to beat Huggersland because Sashborg are so poor away from home, they can't rely on going into the last round of the season when they need a result on the road. So, look, it's really going to be interesting down there and, um, you know, say good luck to all of the sides involved in this relegation battle. But I will say this, uh, I, I, I was really shocked how poor um, certain outfits performed in the, in, the, in the most recent round. And what do you think about Godset against Brand? Because obviously, Brand are quite high up the table, so you know it's a home game. And we just mentioned they have the fifth average best attendance. Uh, Godset, you've interviewed their manager in recent podcasts. But what do you what do you think about that match? Well, I think it all depends which Brand, which version of Brand turn up, because they Brand actually had for once had a good performance on um, Friday night against Odd, uh, beat them one nil, but. That was at home. They needed kind of a performance just to get the fans back on side a bit. You know what? I think Strum's good to have a good chance of winning this game. Brand don't score many goals. So, you know, get a couple of goals, you're probably going to win the game. Um, but Goodsir haven't won in quite a long time. And it's their last home match. They're going to feel the pressure, aren't they? And, you know, a draw, is that going to do them much good? Probably not. They've got to look at this and, and, and winning the game. 
I say it depends which version of brand turn up. If it's a highly motivated brand who are really up for the fight, then it's going to be a problem because they're hard to break down. They're going to fight hard. And if the conditions are cold again, you know, you'd rather be with the sort of the probably the brand warriors. But um, I'm, I'm, I think I predict a home win because they've been pretty good at home under Henrik Kapedersen. But um, as I say, it could be a, a difficult fixture. Fantastic stuff. Let's take a break now. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the champions of Norway, Molda. was the sound of champions lecky james 15th goal of the season in a 4-0 win for Mulder, who beat strums godset 4-0 this weekend to become officially the champions of norway we have champions of sweden Eurogarden, and you can listen to that show last week when we discussed them in detail and their their title win and we now have new champions Mulder in norway steve tell us all about that game and the inevitable title win yeah, congratulations to Mulder. I don't think there was any real doubt that they were going to win it this year. Um, certainly not in recent times anyway. But um, do you know what? It had actually been a while since they'd put in what you call a really, really good performance. Um, they had some cracking displays earlier in the season. Um, but you could tell straight away on Sunday that they were in the mood. And, uh, you know, I think a big thing was that Magnus uh, Wolf Eichram came back into the team uh, he'd been injured for the last three games he'd actually missed quite a few matches um in the last sort of 10 actually uh, but he was back to his best and uh, there was this discussion i've seen on twitter about you know who's the going to be player of the season in the elitus area and you know, how he had tailed off in the second half of the year but he it was like he gave everyone a reminder of how good he is and he was pulling the strings in this game but you know they were they were bang at it right from one it didn't surprise me i expected them to get the job done um and uh you know it was just poor strums good sir they just never really had a chance here it was just a simple case of the quality was just too much for them uh, they knew a, a win would get them the title in front of their own fans and they weren't going to be pissing around they um they wanted to get the job done straight away um celebrate before the international break and I say congratulations to them. It was a thoroughly emphatic victory. Could have been five or six nil, and um, you know, well done to Mulder. Yes, well done to Mulder from everyone at the Nordic Football Podcast. So, you have a question for you here because um, Mulder have racked up sixty-two points from their twenty-eight games so far, with uh, sixty-four goals scored and twenty-seven conceded, plus thirty-seven goal difference. Now. 
if we go back to the last few seasons, that's actually a higher total with still two games remaining uh, than Mulder, uh, sorry, than Rosenberg in, in 2017, who amassed 61 points in total, uh, with only 57 goals scored in, in comparison to 64. And as I say, with two games remaining, they've, you know, Rosenberg's total last season was 64 points, uh, with only 51 goals scored, uh, which is 13 less. And obviously, Mulder still have two games remaining, and uh, they can get two more, two or more points. It will obviously eclipse that total of Rosenberg again. So, is this Mulder team better than Rosenberg's title-winning team of the last two seasons? Or, you know, I mean, statistically, they, you know, in terms of points and goals scored, they are looking maybe potentially better. Um, what's your take on that? Good question. Um, I think the problem is, I mean, Rosenborg were never really tested in the last uh, couple of years that much. Um, and Mulder this year haven't really been tested too much either. It's just a case of, you know, if you had this Mulder team against, say, last year's Rosenborg team or the year before that team, it would, I think it would have been a really close battle. It's hard to say what is the better team. I think if you look at it on paper, pound for pound, probably would be the Rosenborg Borg side um, from a couple of years ago, actually, I would say. But um, there's no doubt about it. Is the Mulder squad right now, They, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a few weeks' time on the end of season review for Norway. But um, they assembled a good squad. They used the money um, gained from the Erling Brat Holland transfer pretty well, pretty wisely. And... Um, developed a, a squad of high quality, which this year combined very well together. The only other side on paper that had anywhere near as amount of riches was Rosenborg, but they never got out of the starting blocks or combined as well as a team this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, as I say, between the two sides that you're comparing, I don't think there's a lot in it. It just happened to be in separate years that um, they each won titles respectively. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, and um, you know, in terms of their their scores, obviously Mulder kind of dominate the top scorer charts. To be honest, with um, you know, Licky James fifteen goals, Oyo and Muanfo fifteen goals, Magnus Ikram ten goals. That's three of the top five scorers in, in the league. Uh, is this title been won on firepower really? And um, obviously, sixty four goals scored is quite impressive. Uh, what do you say about their defensive side of things? And you know, as, as I say, has this title race been simply a case of really good forwards oh they've got good forwards don't get me wrong magnus wall of Hikram, you know lucky james came to the party really well who are you and my one first but the first half of the season especially but i would say yeah firepower has been a big reason why they've won it uh but squad depth and how the manager has used the squad so well do you remember that period in august july august europa league matches he was quite willing to assemble weakened 11s in the elitisarium but and at the time there was quite a lot of people questioning him even though results were going their way but in the end i think that's proved to be a masterstroke um because it gave everyone enough game time and the confidence that if they came into the team um then they could perform and um i think in in the past it can be a problem with sides that um are rely over reliant on the same 11 or 12 players um i've been involved in in team sports myself historically where that has been the case where i remember a cricket team i was in years ago that um we finished third in the league twice in a row 
promotion was top two spots. And for the most part, we were brilliant, but we were over-reliant on um, sort of four or five players who, you know, 90% of the time got the job done. Um, but that one, the times when we didn't get it done, then the, those coming to step in just couldn't, couldn't perform because they were not, they were too rusty. They weren't match fit and they weren't ready, but Mulder did not allow that situation to happen. Uh, everyone of significance was getting enough minutes throughout the summer and over the long course of the season, then that worked out very well. So I've got to say well done to, to my manager, Erling Moo for this rotation and he's a bit of a, a manager we, no one really talks about actually it's a bit like reminds me a bit like Zidane at Real Madrid where you know they're winning all these things but no one was really mentioning Zidane much or giving him that much credit and I think Erling Moo actually deserves more credit than uh, people uh, you know I think if things had gone wrong he would have really been slaughtered actually uh, but uh, yeah, credit where credit's due I think his man management of the squad was very very good John yeah, looking at um, some of the stats as well, I mean, Mulder have had the most touches in the box uh, in, in the league this season, and they also had the most touches in the box last season. They've actually had the most touches in the box by miles this season, with 716, compared to Rosenborg, 605 touches in the box, who were second, so that's obviously you know, a significant and higher number. And you know, last season, they had 638 touches in the box, so... Clearly, they're getting bodies into that box um, on a regular basis more than anyone else in both seasons. They've not actually had the most shots in the league, uh, not even last season. Obviously, uh, Valerengo had the most shots last season in the league, which is, might be a surprise to some. Um, Buda glimpse of the number one for shots in shots in general, uh, not, not on target. This is just shots overall um, in the league. 398 compared to Mulder's 393. Uh, Rosenborg with 392 there. There's still two games to go, so you know those statistics can can clearly change. But uh, as you've mentioned, there it seems like this is a team based on you know on on, on attack. Uh, and yeah, I think you're right. Credit is due to their manager, really. Isn't it? He seems to have put together a very good squad, as you've mentioned there. And you know their passing rate; they've got the best passing rate, the most key passes in the league. Um, you know the most passes compared to anyone. Brand in second place in terms of passing, but you know um, smart passes. Buda Glimpse are actually top, but more the second. Um, it just seems like this is a very, very good team. I mean, Steve, do you see any of their players getting you know, picked up in, in, the, in the winter months? Is there any rumours around some of their bigger, bigger names? Because that's always the way in these leagues. We, we know the reality of the, the food chain we're in. Uh, obviously, Wolf Eichmann has been in Sweden, been in, been in uh, America. Is there any kind of rumours around the likes of Lecky James, maybe Oe? Do, do you envisage any big moves maybe? In, or will they be able to keep their squad and mount a Champions League, uh, push for the Champions League? I think things can only get better for Mulder actually because um, there's, they then they don't need to sell. They're they're not a club that um, needs the money. I mean, they could be potentially loaded within a year or two. I don't know if they've got much of a sell-on clause for Brat Harland, but I mean, just say he goes for big money, it's going to happen sooner or later, isn't it? They could be swimming in money. Um, so the only reason they're going to lose players is obviously those who want to further their career to a better league or whatever. And um, I don't really see too many players. I'm like, wow, he's far too good for Mulder, etc., uh, etc. Et I mean, the, the top player has been Manus Wolvikram, but he's kind of come back, hasn't he, from, you know, Malmö, Seattle Sounders, and it's worked out for him. I don't see why he would want to suddenly move on again. Lecky James, Ui, 
I think we're quite happy to stay there for at least another year. You, you can never say never in, in Norwegian football. There's players are always going uh, out of the league. But um, that's the good thing for them. You don't look at their, their team and think, oh, they were over-reliant on him, him and him. Like Buda Glimp, for example, with Hawk and Evian, and he's obviously transferring away. But with Mulder, they, uh, I expect them to re- retain most of their squad and with some sensible moves in the transfer market, they can become even stronger. And yes, it might be that um, in 2020 that they do make a run on a strong European run in the qualifiers, at least get themselves the Europa League group um, phase uh, appearance. Um, But I think they can only go from strength to strength as a club. Yeah, that's interesting stuff. And uh, yeah, as we say, Congratulations to Mulder, a really, really good achievement there. And I think, you know, as you've mentioned, they they might be well-pressed to to do well in, in years to come. I mean, um, funnily enough, we just had a comment live on the show about Rosenborg, so maybe we should move on to them shortly, uh, which I'll read out in a second. But, uh, yeah, Mulder, as you've mentioned there, champions of Norway, Erling Mo, you, you give immense credit to. And um, this is the team's... You know, first title in, in a while. Obviously, the last title was uh, 2014. And it's the fourth time they've won the, the league in their history, just for a bit of context there. So, Champions in 2011, Champions in 2012, Champions in 2014. Obviously, many might remember the Solskjaer era when he won uh, some league titles. And now Champions in 2019. So, fourth of their history. And, um, yeah, nice little achievement there for Mulder. Well done to all involved with the club. Steve, I'm going to move on to Rosenborg there because, yeah, as I mentioned, we've just had a, a tweet uh, on air, which is a bit of a first, to be honest. You actually asked a question on, on our Twitter account, at Nordic Foot Pod. If Rosenborg don't finish in the top three, does Eric Horniland deserve another season or should he be sacked? And we just had a, a comment from at Dauntless86 who says, of course he should get another season. Well, um, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on that, Steve, and... Uh, yeah, for those who just before we are, uh, before you answer that question about about Rosenborg and their manager, um, we do have a partnership with Y Scout. Um, we will be at the Y Scout forum later this week. For anyone who hasn't seen our Y Scout partnership, there's a, a recent Y Scout blog uh, recently published uh, about Erling Braut Harland, uh, a fantastic analysis uh, from uh, the team and Steve about his. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's fair to say Erling Brat Haaland is the next big thing in world football. Um, incredible goal ratio. He's already scored more than 20 goals this season. I think he's racked up five hat-tricks, I believe, since he moved to to Austria. And it really looks like he could be, you know, on the cusp of being a 50, 60, 70, who knows, 80 million pound player. Um, the way he's bagging goals in the Champions League. He is, of course, a Champions League top scorer, which is really incredible, really. So it looks like there's a real Norwegian talent there in, in, in the making. Um, so, yeah, you can read that blog and, you know, our, our analysis of why we really believe he is the real deal uh, on that latest Y Scout blog. So, uh, yeah, have a look at that. And, of course, uh, keep it tuned to the Nordic Football Podcast for any kind of breaking stories from Norway, the exciting young talents that emerge. We've been talking about Haaland for quite some time, so keep it locked. But, Steve, yeah, let's talk about Rosenborg. Uh, you know, you we've had a, a tweet there from at Dauntless86 who says, of course, he should get another season. Are you in agreement with that? And how did they get on this weekend in what was quite a big game? Yeah, well, I posted that tweet up when they were 2-1 down at home to Buda Glimt and, quite frankly, on the ro- on the ropes. On the rack, actually, um, not just on the ropes. Buda Glimt had them where they wanted them, 2-1 up. 
they were overcommitting players. You remember that analysis I did about how teams just uh, have sometimes have a far too much of a high line against Buda Glimt. Well, Rosenborg were actually forced into this. You know, the two-one down there at home, they really have to win the game to keep their medal hopes alive. And you know, I really think Glimt should have taken them to the cleaners. They should have taken advantage while they were on top of the game. But they didn't do it and allowed Rosenborg back into the game. Rosenborg eventually won this match 3-2 um, thanks to a, a Lundamo goal. It was the last kick of the game, literally. 95th minute, 96th minute, uh, a shot that came off the post. And I, I actually think that's, that goal might ultimately save Eirik Hornerland's job. I think that is how big that goal is. Um, poor Buda Glimp, if they had just held on for a draw, they had effectively secured themselves at least third place based on goal difference and obviously a European spot for next year. So that is how significant the goal was for Buda Glimt. Um, they still do one more win for Buda Glimt. If they beat uh, Christiansen in their next match, then they will still be in Europe next year uh, on goal difference at least. But um, Rosenborg, I just can't believe that they got themselves out of jail there. Horniland does not deserve to stay at the club if they do not finish in the top three, in my opinion. He's had long enough to turn things around and they're still not even got to 50 points yet, John. They've got two matches. They've got Viking away and they've got Ranheim at home. Although well, they'll smash Ranheim at home, I'm fairly sure about that on the last day of the season. Uh, but, um, you know, Viking and no, no gimme and... Yeah, they're actually lucky the odd lost against Bran on Friday night as well. So, um, but it's not in their hands right now. If Odd win their last two games and Budaglimp obviously have one more win, then Rosenborg will not be in the top three and not in Europe. And for me, that is just simply not good enough. Um, he had a bad start to the year. I said they should have sacked him there and then, actually, after about seven or eight games. In the credit of Rosenborg's board, they, you know, they had a good European run in the summer and a decent elite Serie. I think one loss in about fifteen games, so fair enough there. But you've also got to finish the job, and they've dropped silly points in recent weeks. You know, lost at Hogson, too many draws, especially away from home. And um, you know, as I said, at the end of the season, the league table does not lie, and fourth place finish even if it's only by one point, is not good enough for me at Rosenborg. I think a lot of people could have managed that team this year and, and certainly finished second. So, um, yeah, if they don't get that top three, I would uh, I would say he's not... Sack him. Fair enough. As a, you know, I think you, you've been... I remember one time I had to step into his defence because you were slamming him at one point during the season. Um, so yeah, I don't think you know, it might be a fair analysis. Do you, do you think just very very quickly before we move on, um, you know, a, a short answer here? Um, do you think they lack a striker? Because if you look at the league table, and you look at every other club who's kind of up there, uh, they all have goal scorers who are kind of in the, you know in the top, you know, upper rankings of the of the, of the table, and uh, they don't, you know, do do you think that's something that's maybe hampered them a little bit? Just having you know. Mulder have got OE 15 goals, Boda have got Hakon Evian 12 goals, Odd have got Toria Boven, if I've pronounced that correctly, with uh, 18 goals. And then you look at Rosenborg with Söderlund on seven goals. So there's a massive dip in terms of the numbers there. Do you think that having a good goal scorer has really hampered them this season not, or not having a good Yeah, Turkey Boven there, very well pronounced, John. Um, now, Rosenborg, I, I don't think 
they do like a striker actually obviously they weren't helped by nicholas bentner going awol this year and all that uh load of cobblers but um they've got strikers they signed Bjorn marsh johnson midway through the season they've got alexander Söderlund, who's a proven goal scorer and you know if they really wanted to they certainly could have played someone like adi benner up front or akintola and there's enough attacking talent definitely um i think what they have lacked is a they're not really known who to start up front they've rotated too often obviously europe has been a factor as well but one week it's been Söderlund up front then it's been Marge Johnson, or they've played them both together and one of them on the wing. But the problem is, and this has been an issue with Bentner last year as well, Rosenborg have this have to play in the 4-3-3 formation. That's just the way they are. It's instilled into their um, veins. And Horneland tried to change that at the start of the year. It didn't work. He had to go to the 4-3-3, which means you're, there's only room for one central striker. And inevitably, you're trying to put your best players in that same 11 someone's got to play out wide when it's not their natural role and that has let them down like Sutherland is not a natural right or left winger same with Marge Johnson and that is their problem they kind of they need to decide who is my main striker going forward you know, and stick with one of them uh but you know it's difficult when you've got so many options um of the same quality so either you know change your formation which doesn't really seem like a Thing you can do at Rosenborg or um, make your mind up who's number one. Yeah, fascinating stuff. And I'm just looking at some of the goals from that uh, Buda Glimp game. Uh, Jens Petterhagel got two goals, didn't he? And um, yeah, really, uh, I think it was a good, good game, to be fair. And, uh, let's move on to the race for Europe because that did have an impact on you know proceedings in that sense, as you've mentioned. And if we look at it now, we've got kind of, uh, well, a bit of a jam up there. Rosenborg in fourth, 48 points. Odd in uh, third, 49 points. Buda Glimt in second, 51 points. Three points separate them all. Uh, Buda Glimt 19 plus goal difference. Odd plus seven and Rosenborg plus 11. So it really is tight there with two games remaining. I mean, it's hard to look away from Rosenborg not snatching a Europa League place, isn't it, to be honest? But... How do you how do you see that going with Tigo's remaining, Steve? I mean, from my point of view, I think it would be quite nice to see Buda Glimt in Europe. Um, have Odd done enough maybe to deserve European football, do you think? Because, you know, with one point to go, they they you know, they're hanging in there, aren't they, maybe with Rusebog on their tails. Have they actually done enough to deserve it? Because, you know, if you think about the Norwegian coefficient, you probably do want a team in there that can actually make some kind of impact in Europe, don't you? So um what are your thoughts on that? Do Odd do Odd look deserving, or do you think they'll get picked? Yeah, I mean, I, I said earlier in the episode in the episode that I try to remain unbiased, um, but I absolutely make no qualms about this. I would love to see Buda Glimt get into the top three, and I, I would love to see him finish second. Actually, I think they've deserved it. So I would, I'll be honest. When that goal went in, I was absolutely gutted for them. But maybe they can do it in in a way. Maybe it can work out for them. They beat Christiansen in the next match in front of their own fans, and that should be enough. They've got a, I think, nine, uh, plus nine gold, uh, plus 19 goal difference, and Rosenborg says plus 11. So surely any victory against Christiansen would be enough, although their last match is at Mulder away, so you can't be sure. Um, odd, no, for me, they haven't done enough. They've been too poor away from home, too passive away from home this year. Um, they've got a really poor road record and um i think eventually it might cost them that odd will probably beat thrums at home 
in, in the next round, but their last match is at Hargesund, which is a real banana skin, absolute banana skin fixture. And you could just see them slipping up, couldn't you? And Rosenborg getting into the top three. And it would actually be good for Norwegian football as a whole if Rosenborg do get the third place. I know there'll be some teams not wanting them to get in there. But, um, yeah, if you think about co coefficient and, and think ways going forward, they're, they're the sort of side that can can help in that way going uh, in the future. And also, actually, if Rosenborg don't qualify for Europe, then it almost um, it really would help them in terms of um, being able to focus entirely on the league next year. And I know quite a lot of people would not want to would be quite happy not seeing Rosenborg on top of the league for two years in a row. So um, yeah, look, yeah, I, I, odd or Rosenborg. Yeah, I actually hope Rosenborg do get the third place. Odd for me. I've been dis disappointing at times, and um, I actually I, I think Rosenborg will get third. I think I could see Odd cocking up in that last match at Augustine. Fair enough. Not one for the underdog, underdog in that sense there, maybe. Um, from my point of view, I mean, there's also the point of view, not necessarily mine, but obviously if Rosenborg don't get to, to Europe, then that's a bigger bit of an impact on their finances, isn't it? Which maybe maybe has an impact uh, on their ability to attract players going forward. But who knows? I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd still think they'd bounce back, but uh, it's just one thing to bear in mind if they weren't to make it. So let's see, who, you know, let's see who can, who can make it, Odo Rosenborg and, and obviously Buda Glimt not guaranteed yet with, with the three points gap. So, you know, they've still got a bit of a job to do. Let's move on, Steve. I want to talk about two more teams before we wrap this podcast up. Um, I want to talk to you about, firstly, Viking, uh, who... Well, actually, let's talk about Lillestrøm first. I want to talk about these two teams briefly before we end this show. Let's start with a negative, though, you know, and then end with a positive on Viking, maybe. But, uh, yeah, let's move to Lillestrøm first. Let's talk with a negative first. They, you know, they... They're one of those teams that, you know, we talk about, maybe it's just we don't like yellow and black, but then then again, we do like Buda Glimp. So, um, Elfsborg and Lillestrøm, you know, in those yellow shirts of theirs, are probably the two least talked about teams on this podcast over the last three years, um, aren't they really? You know, Elfsborg have not done much. And whenever I look at Norway, I see Lillestrøm just pottering around in 10th, 11th, you know, never really doing too much in terms of talking points. Obviously, they've had cup runs and things like that, but... Um, in terms of league form. Talk to me about Lidstrom, Steve, because they could actually still go down. They're only three points yeah. out of it. And uh, I have to say, they've been pretty inconsequential for the last few seasons, haven't they, league-wise? Yeah, we like um, Buda Glimt and Hecken, don't we? But not so much Elsborg and uh, Lidstrom. You, you know what? Um, they remind me a little bit of Kalmar, actually. Um, and... Uh, how we said, you know, Kalmar sort of lived on the edge for a number of years and they got away with it. And they nearly didn't get away with it this year. Um, got away with it in the playoff match. But um, Lillestrøm, I just, I, I, to be, it's the first, only, re only really recently have I thought they could go down. I'll be brutally honest. I, I've always been quite confident they'd be fine. But um, they just laboured their way in the last sort of 10. Their last victory was on the 25th of August. They haven't won in the Elite Serien any of their last nine matches now and their lack of goals is a huge worry in that period they've hardly re registered uh you know a goal and uh they've become very passive become very negative they've been playing for draws just happy to scrape over the line but their last two performances viking away lost that three nil it's a little bit harsh but then a home loss to starbeck one three 
it's very disappointing and um as like i said earlier in the podcast they they really need a performance against uh, ranheim uh next up otherwise they're in big trouble i've been disappointed with how negative they've been with their approach that that's that, that's what i don't like i will always defend any side that really has a go you know fights hard and and, and is willing to risk something in order to win the game but they're not willing to do that and that is the disappointing part it just feels like apart from the cup win they had i think two or three years ago in the league itself they've always been sliding and they're just quite happy to accept mediocrity or lower mid-table mediocrity and that is not good enough for a club like Lillestrom. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You mentioned Hacken there, so how can I forget them? Having lived in Hissingen, that's a poor one to forget them, yeah. But um, okay, fair enough with Lillestrom. We'll, we'll keep an eye on them and see if they go down or if they can you know, get out of it. Let's talk about, let's end on a high note here with Viking because they just were promoted, weren't they? They've been through their troubles over recent seasons, but they, I see them up there in uh, in fifth place. So, you know, they're not going to make it into Europe. I don't think they could still mathematically make it with six points behind odd. But uh, realistically, it's probably not going to happen for them in terms of Europe. But uh, a creditable season, it seems, you know, and they look pretty much guaranteed top seven and uh, could end anywhere between sort of, uh, like I say, third or third or seventh. So tell us about Viking season and, you know, what's been the secret behind their revival? Yeah, I mean, they could still make Europe by winning the Norwegian Cup uh, against Hogerson. So um, that is their route into Europe. But yeah, they've really, I'm not going to say overachieved because I think a lot of their results have been fair. They've not been particularly lucky or anything. But compared to what was expected, I mean, no one thought they'd be this high. And, you know, I still look at their squad on paper and I'm like, how have they managed to do this? Because, you know, it's not been too many new additions from from what was the Obos Ligaen um, side that, that won, won that title. But it wasn't, it's not like Arlison this year have run, run away with the league. There were weaknesses in that Viking team last year, defensively especially. The goalkeeper, Ivan Us, Uspo, um, has had a career year, really. It's just, uh, historically, whenever I've seen him, he was absolutely crap. You know, sort of keeper, you just expect mistakes to happen all the time, you know? Like Liverpool had that probably Ming Millionaire or um, what was he called? He went end up in uh, Turkey. I forget what they call him now. But um, you just expected mistakes to happen. But he's been really good. And in fact, he will be a candidate for the goalkeeper of the year season, actually, in the Elite Serian. So, and the defence has been much stronger than expected despite injuries. I, I can't put my finger on it. I think it's just a case of certain players. Of, sometimes when you move up a level, players respond and just raise their game, don't they? And I think. That's been an example. Added uh, a good signing in mid-season, Christopher Luckberg um, from Brann. He wasn't doing anything at Brann, but he's a really good player for them. And, you know, players like Trippic has been one of the best players in the whole league. Um, just overall, I think players have raised it. Youngsters have emerged, like Christian Torstvet. And, of course, they've had a, a bit of looking games. But what I like about Viking, especially at home, is they take the game to the opposition. They're fearless. They're playing without any fear confidence comes from that and i think as soon as they knew they were not in any danger of relegation they just built uh even stronger and that's what's happened is a, a nice uh top six seven position in a cup final and uh credit to the manager i think i think a lot of people no one expected them to be as strong as they are fantastic stuff well done to viking and uh could do better for lillestrom there more of the champions of norway 
Eurogarden and the Champions of Sweden. We're not going to talk about Sweden this week. If you want to listen to our analysis of the Swedish league and the uh, incredible end to the season with Eurogarden winning the title, tune into our last podcast. Go back, go on iTunes, go on Spotify, go on Libsyn, go wherever you go to get our show, YouTube. Please subscribe and let people know about the podcast if you enjoy it. Obviously, uh, we survive on your kind of feedback and praise or criticism at times. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. So obviously, give us a tweet as well at NordicFootPod. Um, because, yeah, as I say, we you know we want to keep growing. And, and it's great to have any any feedback in terms of likes and subscribes. I think that's pretty much it for this show. We've talked about Norway. This is an all-Norway podcast. And it is the place to be for Norwegian football and Swedish football in general. But, Steve, it's been great to talk to you and, and also... A really uh, interesting interview there with yet another manager in the bag. Well done. And uh, we'll talk to you in the coming weeks. We've still got a few more shows this season with um, reviews of the season to come of Sweden and Norway. And, of course, we'll be talking about the winter, the potential transfers and that kind of thing. I also want to just end it very quickly by saying congratulations to Umea, uh, who have been promoted to the Super Etten. So um, congratulations there. It's a place I visited quite recently. And they have a nice, very nice football club, actually. So uh, well done to them. Promotion for the first time in many years uh, to the second tier of Swedish football. We'll be keeping an eye on them next season. Steve, anything left? Any closing comments or uh, is that it for this week? Uh, that pretty much sums things up. And um, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, big thanks again to Vegar Hansen as a great guest on the show. And we will see you all again very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>